Support for The Bittersweet Life comes from our listeners. This week, I'd like to thank Lynn and John, Ed and David. Thank you so much for supporting the show. If you love what you hear, please throw some coins into our tip bucket to help us pay the bills and give us the biggest compliment you possibly can, letting us know that you love this show enough to support it. There are links in the show notes or visit thebittersweetlife.net. And thanks. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. Tiffany is away this week, but I am joined by Andrea Shear. She's a writer, artist, and life coach. She's also the host of the Creative Superheroes podcast and the author of the book Wonder Seeker, 52 Ways to Wake Up Your Creativity and Find Your Joy. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh my gosh, I'm so thrilled to be here. Now, this might be a hard question because, yes, it has an actual definition, but it is about what it means to you. How would you define wonder? Mm, Gosh, I love this question because I love not assuming that I know what things mean. To me, wonder is almost, it's like a, almost a full body experience of like, it's like, wow, it's an intake of breath. It's like your eyes get wide and your heart opens in a way. It's like this experience of being surprised by something beautiful or interesting or it piques your curiosity. It's like all these things happening in this one moment. And it's, for me, it's like this experience where not only do I feel curious, but it's different than say awe, where you could feel a little bit afraid when you're experiencing awe. You could be in awe of like, a big, you know, explosion happening in the distance. That would be really scary, but also awe. But wonder is this like very gentle kind of beautiful place where you, you realize like, oh my gosh, there's so much beauty in the world and you feel kind of reverence. Hmm. Well, you do open, and I'm sure you've been getting this interview question a lot since you opened the book yourself with this particular question. The question is, what was your first experience with wonder? Mm. what's your answer to it? Oh my gosh. You know, it's so funny. I've somehow not gotten that question very much. And I'm sort of glad because I don't have a lot of memories of being a child. I'm one of those people. And the memories that I do have are kind of intense and not necessarily about wonder. However, one of the experiences that I will share is that I somehow got to go to Mexico with my best friend's family when I was in grade school. And we were swimming in the waves, which is scary for me, even though I grew up near the water, I grew up near Santa Cruz, the waves are really big there. So I've always had massive respect for, for the ocean and a fair amount of fear, but I was there and I really trusted my friend's dad. And he took me out much farther than I'd ever gone And because I felt safe with him, I got to experience the beauty of like, there was like, I remember the sun sort of sparkling on the water and the thrill of doing something that I didn't think I could do. It was just a magical moment. That's what comes to mind. Wow. That's really great. So your whole work from me reading your bio, which I did not include all of it in, in my opening, but 
you basically work trying to create and cultivate wonder and encourage other people to do the same. This whole book is encouraging people to find a bigger sense of wonder. Why is that so important to you? The honest answer is that I've experienced a lot of anxiety and depression in my life and a fair amount of trauma. And so I have found that finding beauty and seeing the world through creative eyes and seeing the world through the lens of wonder has helped me want to be here and want to love my life and love the world. I know that that's kind of like an intense thing to say. It feels like a light topic, but like for me, it's everything. It's life force. It's joy. It's like, I'm always needing to find as much joy as possible because life is hard and I'm a sensitive creature. And I experience a lot of fear in my body from anxiety And I'm just really committed to seeing the world as much as possible, not to the exclusion of the negative. It's not like, oh, just look on the bright side. It's like actively balancing the scale so that I'm not just scanning for what's wrong all the time, but I'm scanning for what's good and what's right. One of the things you wrote, I actually wrote down the quote you wrote, wonder wakes us up. It reminds us that we have the power to create the story of our lives. Mm, I love how you put that. Well, this book that you wrote isn't just uh, your theories on wonder. It is practical, fun, interesting exercises and activities that you can do that actually help you develop a sense of wonder. So I thought it'd be fun to maybe you can give us an example of an activity or something that all of us should do to try to experience a little wonder. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite just everyday things to do is the next time you're at the grocery store, find something that you've either never seen or you've never tasted, or you're not sure what it is and get it and see what's inside of it. Like, (laughs) um, this came to me because my, my son and I, when he was about three or four years old, were at the grocery store one day and we saw dragon fruit and he's like, what is that? And I was like, I think it's a dragon fruit. And he's like, well, what does it taste like? I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, well, what's inside it? I'm like, I don't know. And so we had this like very ceremonious opening of the dragon fruit. And it was so fun to experience that feeling of wonder with him, because of course, as kids, like everything's brand new and they get to be in that space a lot more than we do. But to experience that as an adult, even just like the simplest way of like, you know, finding something you've never tasted and having that experience it's, it's cell memory. It's you remember what it's like to be, be a kid and have everything be new. Yeah. And of course, if you've ever seen a dragon fruit, I mean, it's the bright pink fruit, right. That's white on the inside. It's just so unexpected. It's miraculous. Yeah. (laughs) It reminds me of when I tried to explain to my grandmother what tofu was. That was a real, a real challenge. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, what does it taste like? And you're like, nothing really. (laughs) It tastes like anything you want. Yeah. Uh, no, that's a really great one. That's actually, it reminds me of, um, and of course, anybody who listens to this show knows that one of my things about New Year's resolutions is I always try to do a thing I can accomplish in one day. And oftentimes the easiest thing to accomplish in a day is trying a food that you've never had before. Mm. And so and so my most successful New Year's resolution ever was to try a pomegranate. And, Ooh. and of course, discovered that a pomegranate is a really, really delicious thing. 
It is. You had never had one before. No, I never had. Oh, I love it. So one of the things you say in the book also is to look for things that come easily to you, things that Mm -hmm. bring you joy and that, in your opinion, we often undervalue ease. Yeah. But why why look for these things? And, And even how do you go about it? How do you determine the things that are coming easy to you? I think that's in the part where I talk about, you know, our superpowers. And so I think we, when things are easy for us, like some people can, you know, they can walk into a room and understand how to move all the furniture around and have it look like really and feel really good. And for me, that's a huge challenge. Like I can't think three-dimensionally that way. Or for me, like I have this, I have a sense of color that's just very natural to me. And so it's just like, we have these these gifts or these strengths or these orientations, and we discount them because they're easy and we don't understand that they're a gift. So I call it like, okay, what do you always bring to the party? For some people, they always bring humor to the party or they always bring a good story or they're the one that you can go deep with in the corner. And I think that those are powerful because ease is flow for me. So when things feel like ease or flow, I feel like there's a rightness about it. And it's not that I don't want to do hard things or I don't have to do hard things, but when things are too complex or there's too many obstacles, I often ask myself, how can I make this more fun and easy? And there's always a way to make it more fun and easy. And then I can kind of like find my flow with whatever hard thing is in front of me. Do you have a good example of that? Yeah, let me think. Okay, so for a long time, I was blogging for 18 years or something. I was like one of the first sort of bloggers back in the day. And I was going through a period where I just couldn't write. It was just really hard for me to sit down and write. And a friend of mine wanted me to create some sort of lesson for her course. And I was putting it off and putting it off. And I said, Hey, can I just record my voice talking about this thing? I think it'll be easier. And she's like, Oh my God, that would be even better. And I realized, Oh, like, cause that was my, my sort of like, how can I make this fun and easy? And it was like, well, if I didn't have to write this lesson, I could just like talk for five minutes. Mm-hmm. I could do this in five minutes. It would be that easy. And so that's a good example right there. And it ended up being, you know, it was sort of a, a, a win for both of us because it felt more intimate for her people. It felt like more of a gift for her people. You have another activity in there that is basically suggesting that if you, let's say you sit down and think, what does come easy to me? And you, and you can't mm-hmm. think of anything, then maybe you should be asking other people. Right. What do you come to me for? What do you count on me for? Like, what do people come to you for, Katie? Um, what do people come to me for? I guess probably good conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, a person who wants to hear what they have to say, I hope, anyway. <laughs> You're probably a very willing co-conspirator for some fun, weird idea. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I would be willing to do just about anything. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, and and certainly for book recommendations. So. Uh-huh. Nice. <laughs> Radio help. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah all those things but yeah it's it's not a bad notion to ask other people yeah I mean some people come to me to clean out their closet I'm a ruthless purger and I will be like no you don't need that take it out you know Mm -hmm. so people often come to me for closet cleansing so why shouldn't we brush off a compliment yeah you know I think that was um that was something I started practicing because I was noticing how much I was deflecting compliments and how much I wasn't receiving them. And as a compliment giver, I know that it doesn't feel great when somebody, you know, says, Oh my God, no, I, I just, you know, like, Oh, you look so beautiful. It's like, Oh no, I just woke up and I didn't even brush my hair. And it's like, just say, thank you. Like, it'll feel better on my end. If you just say, thank you. And I think also I just wanted to start building my confidence and start just really receiving those things and allowing them to land. Like if somebody is saying these things, then like they're true for them, let it in. And just that practice of saying thank you and sort of biting my tongue was really helpful in growing my capacity to receive. Yours is a book about wonder, seeking wonder, cultivating wonder. But then you have all these other side things that come from wonder, like Mm. from being a person who can discover wonder in their own lives more. Like, for instance, I think you say that wonder can lead to being more kind. It can lead to noticing color more. Mm -hmm. Uh, All of these things. I wrote a couple of more down, like uh, noticing more beauty, being Mm -hmm. delighted more often, (laughs) especially when it comes to being kinder to others. What is the correlation there, would you say? Mm, That's a good question. You know, first of all, I think that idea of creating wonder for others is inherently kind. This idea of creating a magical experience for someone to stumble onto, whether that's a stranger or someone you know, is just like a beautiful way to be kind, creative way to be kind in the world. But, you know, that's interesting. I don't know if I've really put to words that connection between kindness and wonder. I think one thing that happens, like I was talking about before, when you're in a moment of wonder, a moment where you you witness something beautiful, it actually opens your heart and it softens you. I think that is the connection right there. There's multiple sections in the book. And so I, I almost feel like I should make you give us one activity to do after another because they're in the, all of these different categories. So it's... yeah, I mean, what I'll tell you one of my favorites okay. is, um, is this idea of going off script. Yes. My first experience of this idea of going off script was my high school boyfriend asked me to the prom and my friend and I were going on a double date with him and, and his friend. And as we were waiting for them to pick us up, we heard this weird music and we looked outside and we saw that the ice cream man and the ice cream truck was coming into our driveway. And we're like, that's weird. And then we saw our dates coming out of the ice cream truck. And then we realized, oh my God, my date had asked the ice cream man if he would chauffeur us to the prom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that was so cool. We were so excited. It was so much fun. It was like we were living inside this magical story. And just that like idea of going off script. So it wasn't a car. It wasn't a limousine or like whatever created this story that I've been telling my whole life. Hmm. I have had a lot of friends in my life who are, are great at this, are great at going off script. And so they've shown me how much more magical life can feel and be 
if you just even pause a moment and say like, huh, I, okay, I'm going to get my friend at the airport. How can I make it this like really unforgettable experience? This was before 9-11 and all that, but this, this other friend of mine, I would show up at the airport and he would have rose petals that he was throwing as I would walked in off the tarmac and like <laughs> he would do all these really wonderful things. And um, yeah, it's just like, it's a kind of love. It's a kind of kindness and it's using creativity and service to beauty and story and magic. You actually give a few examples of maybe this isn't something that you're used to doing, but as we start to be able to gather together again, you do give some examples on how to create a wonderful experience with some of your friends to invite them over to do an activity or a party that's different from what you might normally do. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you have a good idea of, of what would be a fun party? Yeah. So, okay. I've got a few ideas. One idea that I've never done, but I've always wanted to do is have a buffet of illicit cereal. So like all the cereal that you didn't get to eat as a kid, because your parents wouldn't let you have it. So everybody brings the cereal that they've always wanted to try, or they always wanted as a kid. And we have like a buffet of illicit cereal party. That's one. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's another game that I used to play with groups of women, and I would invite eight different women who didn't know each other. And we would play this game I created called Story Bowl, where I came up with all these story prompts and we would put them in a bowl. And you had to tell just an impromptu two to three minute story based on the prompt that you got. And so it wasn't about like telling the best story. It was kind of an edgy practice because of course, you know, it makes people a little bit nervous, but like it creates so much connection as someone who's a little bit anxious at parties. And I, I don't love small talk. I love like structure at a party, like some kind of intention or some sort of game or like something like a, just like a little bit of infrastructure that kind of helps create intentionality and deeper connection. Mm -hmm. I'm super into that. I used to do that uh, just organically when I was with somebody I wanted to get to know. This is you another, did? This is another way to do it if you want to do it really impromptu and informally. You know, you're just sitting with a person, maybe it's a longtime friend, sitting with a person at a bar or a restaurant, and you just say, uh, pull out a new notebook with a couple pieces of paper, throw one of them at them, and be like, okay, write down four or five questions and we'll just throw them into the, the center pile. And oh, I love it. <laughs> and we yes. can decide if we want to answer our own, if we want to throw the ones we wrote back into the pile. But either way, it's a way to just say, let's not just talk about what we just did today. Let's talk about the random, deep, weird things that I wouldn't normally yeah. ask you about. Oh, I love that. And I love that you say that it's actually with people maybe that you already know, because that's one of the sort of doorways to wonder for me is not knowing this idea of beginner's mind. You go have a drink with a friend that you've known for 10 years and you think you know everything about them. And so you start talking about politics, or you start talking about whatever, I don't know, talking about whatever, when like some really simple questions they bring the conversation deeper and you're like, oh my God, I had no idea that you wanted to throw an illicit cereal party, like, you know, <laughs> whatever, right? Yeah. It's yeah. really cool. Give me an, so besides the grocery store, give me an example of something that we could do alone. 
like mm. if we're just trying to walk around and say I want to see the neighborhood slightly differently or I want to see the things in my house slightly differently or whatever you think would be helpful in starting to notice the surroundings of wherever you are slightly differently. Yeah. So one of the, the main practices that, that I have is called wonder spotting. And the simplest way to describe it is you, you literally just walk around your block or, you know, in your neighborhood and you ask yourself, what is beautiful or interesting that maybe I've never noticed before. And just asking yourself that question attunes you to your environment in a different way. It puts you in that beginner's mind again, where you don't think you know everything, but you're actually looking and seeing things new. And you'll start seeing like, oh, like the lemons against the blue sky are so beautiful. Like that juxtaposition of color is so amazing. And then, oh, like there's little glittery bits of dew on the grass. It's so beautiful. Simple, 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 but just, I call it also putting on your wonder goggles, just putting on your wonder goggles, it hones your attention and it trains you. I think I mentioned this before, like this idea of scanning for what's good. So we have the unfortunate neurological bias against what's negative. So it's called the negativity bias. We're always scanning for what's wrong in our environment. And there's a kind of hypervigilance that we have that we don't really need anymore because we're not being chased by animals. Uh, this is from the work of Dr. Rick Hansen that lives here in Berkeley. So for me, like wonder spotting is a sort of visual form of tr training our brain and to scan for what's good. And you can deepen those neural pathways that way. And they will permanently change your brain. Like you can create a habit of scanning for beauty that will allow your brain to more quickly move to that. And that's not just beauty in the very physical sense it actually helps you see the good in any situation. It's really incredible. Yeah. I mean, I would say that one of the things I try to do, not every walk I take, because I walk a lot, but in many of the walks I take is trying to find little bits of nature laying on the path along mm. the way, be it like a seed pod or a pine cone or whatever, whatever have you, gathering those things and then I used to do this much more often. I would lay out like a handkerchief or something on a dresser. And I would just take all those things that I had collected in my pockets and try to lay them out in some artistic form so that mm. they are sitting alone, either collectively as a group in some beautiful pattern or sitting alone so that you really notice how intricately detailed all of these little things are. Mm. These things that we take for it. granted and see all the time. I mean, even one walk I just decided to see how many different types of pine cones I could find and bring home and all of a sudden you have this whole pile and every single pine cone well all pine cones all look different and oh I didn't know that yeah and so yeah that's the kind of thing I try to do on my walk and then the greatest thing about collecting natural little detritus like that mm. is that you can look at it and then you can take it outside and throw it back into the yard, you know, like yes, put it back right, out in the exactly. world. 
Or but you create a little wonderscape yeah, right there. Exactly. Yeah. Tell people what a wonderscape is. Yeah. I mean, it's exactly that. I love that you, you have a practice of doing that already. I'm the same way. I like find little, like pretty little rocks or like even pieces of broken glass, like whatever. It's like all sorts of stuff. And then I bring them home and I lay them out maybe in a bowl or on like, um, you know, a more flatter surface. And yeah, I just, I started calling it a wonderscape. What I ended up doing with some of these things was I have one of those old letterpress drawers with like mm. the little sort of cubby holes. Yes. And yeah, so I started putting, you know, like a vintage, you know, spool of thread or yeah, all these funny little things. And now I have like a little display for them, which is fun. Yes. I also have one of those cubby hole things. They're wonderful. Oh my God. Um, you also mentioned another activity is creating a color display, which I have not done, but I love the idea. What is that if people want to try that? Do you mean like arranging your books by color or? Well, I think you had one where in the book, maybe I read it wrong or just this is how I invented it in my head, um, yeah. was gathering, at least this is what I was took what you meant to be, was to like, go around and gather things that are all in the same tone that are sitting around mm. your home. Oh, yeah. This is what I'm planning to do anyway. And just put them together yes. for a period of time, like a whole bunch yes. of red things, a whole bunch of brown things. Yes. That was one of the things I was doing <laughs> during during uh, 2020, during quarantine. It was just like, okay, let's get creative. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I love that. You know, I'm also thinking of um, another activity that's a fun one that um, your listeners can do. I'm obsessed with paint chips. Mm. I love, I just collect stacks of them whenever I'm at the hardware store and I do lots of different kinds of art and creativity with them but um one of the things that's really fun is called paint chip poetry you basically look at the name of each you know you you sort of find names that seem evocative to you that you want to sort of use as as lines of verse and you start placing the paint chips together and until you build out a poem that's also just yes. fun fun wordplay your poem is actually pretty good i wonder if i can find it i have your book right here is this your poem that you did that's in this book? That's it is. Uh, all right. Have you memorized this already or should I just read I have it? not. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited to hear it. I don't know that I'm the best poetry reader, but I will give it a try. Okay. And remember, as you listen to this poem, everyone, this is just the names of paint chips put together. Together, under the stars, Texas summer, sour apple, cabbage rose, summer pear, spontaneous dark moon bright future <laughs> mm, i love that yeah and then you kind of use you know sort of look at them as like tea leaves like okay what is that what does that say about where i'm at or how is that a message from my higher self <laughs> exactly so well on one of the last things you write in the book way at the end page 183 you write, whatever delights you and brings you joy is precisely what will take you on the path toward your deepest dreams. You don't need to connect the dots or even understand it. In fact, it might be better if you don't. Just do it for the joy of it all. Mm. So I guess as we come to a conclusion, is there any last advice or encouragement you would give people listening of what to do to cultivate more wonder in their life today or this week or this year or going forward into the rest of their lives? I want to acknowledge that the, the world is, is, is very messy. It's just gets messier all the time. And there's a lot happening in the news and everything right now. And so I think that practice of 
you know, the, the wonder spotting practice in particular, it's really like, again, like not a denial of what's wrong in the world and what there is to address, but it's also this question of like, and what else is here? Mm-hmm. And that question of like, what else is here is that there's still, there's so much beauty and there's so much kindness right outside your door, right inside your door. And what I want to just encourage people to do is to include that, right? It's easy to walk around saying like, oh my God, have you, you know, heard what happened and have you read the news? And it's like, yes, yes. And there's also more. And I think what I always want to do is widen the view and widen the range of what we're willing to see and experience. That's a lovely final answer. Well, the book, if you want to look for it, is called Wonder Seeker, 52 Ways to Wake Up Your Creativity and Find Joy. Thank Thank you so much, Thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was lots of fun. Uh, Thank you. You could sponsor this show and reach educated, curious, and compassionate listeners all over the world. Visit thebittersweetlife.net and click support to get the conversation started.